Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cracking for Go, the series where I, Dave Houston, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookGerald.com, explore the X-Men universe as it stands today after the developments of House of X and Powers of Ten, the ongoing X-Men series. Today, we're going to be looking at who is the redacted Red King in the pages of X-Men and the Quiet Council, what 10 mutants are missing from this assemblage of 18 X-Men characters that have been asserted as the leaders of the Krakoan Nation, and finally, who the flip is Exodus, and how did he get on this council? That's right, we're talking about the Quiet Council of Krakoa here. It was delivered to us in the pages of House of X, number six, the most recently released comic in this ongoing event. We got one more issue coming out. It's going to be released uh, in a couple days at the time of recording Powers of X, Powers of Ten, number six. And then we're going to be done with this 12-issue weekly event that has been spectacular that I have been responding to in these Crack and Krakoa series, and hopefully you have been enjoying and and theorizing with as well. Now, most of the Crack and Krakoa series I've done today to date has focused on um, like deep dives and explorations of characters with some theories and ideas, you know, smattered in. This one is mostly as I look at the events of House of X number six and the fact that House of X is now concluded. Uh, all six issues have been released. Um, I'm, I'm going to be theorizing a bit more and talking about some things about you know, okay, who's missing from the council? What mutants have not been mentioned? Right. So a lot of people are talking about the mutants that have been included, and I'll pull up that list here and show you as well. But also, like, who are the mutants that are still out there that we haven't really seen addressed in the world of X Men, and what is their role potentially going to be moving forward? Because there's actually, like I said, I've got ten here that are really big players. And, and could mean a lot, even if they're not on the council, it's kind of interesting that they were not chosen to address. I have to think they'll be addressed moving forward. So I'll talk about that as well. So House of X number six is where we get our first glimpse of Krakoa's mutant leaders. It's called the Quiet Council of Krakoa. This was teased in the previous issue of, um, it was would have been Powers of Ten. And, you know, if you see here, as I pull up on the screen, and again, if you're watching via YouTube, Comic Book Herald channel, please consider liking and subscribing the channel if you like all the good Comic Book Herald content. Uh, if you're listening via Best Pod Comics Ever, the podcast, please subscribe there as well. Consider rating and reviewing on iTunes. But I'm pulling up on the YouTube channel the list of the actual members of this Quiet Council as they were revealed in House of X number six. And there will be spoilers uh, to a degree for the comics you know, so if you haven't read anything and you don't want to be spoiled, go on back and read House of X and Powers of Ten. I would highly recommend it. So some some very unsurprising figures here, right? Professor X, Magneto, Apocalypse. And I think it's important to call out here, the X-Men historically have been led by either, you know, like one individual in the case of like Professor X with Silver Age X-Men. Or if you think back to like Utopia, kind of Nation X, when the X-Men were coming together, you had Cyclops really leading everything. But then like Emma Frost, a very clear sort of 1A, you know, in leadership, you had Magneto, Namor, uh, Magic, Ileana Rasputin even, you know, Colossus, if you're thinking like Phoenix 5 from Avengers vs. X-Men days, right? So you had kind of like, you've had councils of leadership in the past, but never anything quite so formalized, um, quite like this and it's definitely not split between uh what would historically be considered you know hero and villain so professor x magneto and then the surprise at number three apocalypse i've of course talked a bit about apocalypse as a you know his secret history playing a major role in the pages of this event but i think it's particularly interesting to see him there in the triumvirate as opposed to myra mctaggart 
talk a little bit about that. She is left off this list so far, despite clearly being a, you know, probably the biggest player in everything that's happening here. As we learned in House of X number two, Myra has lived. She is now living, it appears, a tenth life, you know, a tenth timeline, her mutant power being resurrected with the memories of what happened in her previous life. And her not being on this list means like, okay, she, this is the quiet council, but Myra's like the shadow council, right? So it's it's unclear to me, at least, probably outside of Autumn here, Professor X, Magneto, Apocalypse, do the others even know about Myra at this point? I think that'll be interesting to see developed. Winter, you got Mr. Sinister, and then it starts getting weird. Then we get Exodus, who... I was very seriously considering doing who the heck is Exodus as Kraken Krakoa number 10, except honestly, like that deep dive is a very niche. I don't, I don't know the audience for an Exodus explanation. Um, in short, he's much older than he appears. He's been around since like the Crusades. I think, you know, I talked about this in the, the secret history of apocalypse with my Eternals connection in the the one pod and video I did, but Exodus is in that comic in in way back in in ancient times, essentially, you know, for our perspective, what is it, the twelve hundreds, thirteen hundreds? I don't know. I'm not a historian. But he, you know, he's alive then. Uh, he's friends with like the Black Knight of that era at the time, or at least has a relationship. Um but Exodus has been alive or around since that time he's a super super powerful mutant he comes up in 90s comics i think he debuts in an issue of x factor he's a big player in 90s comics he's a huge proponent and advocate of magneto's philosophies for a long time in the 90s he was like hearing magneto's voice in his head even after um the events of fatal attractions left magneto as joseph and i what am I doing? I'm trying to explain all of 90s X-Men continuity in a, a summation of Exodus. That's a mistake. Nonetheless, crazy powerful, but also like the most obscure character on this list, bar none, an odd inclusion. And I think because Exodus is a pretty odd inclusion on the Quiet Council of Krakoa, um, I'm going to talk about who are the 10 characters who you know could have taken a place like that. Uh, and, and I think it's going to tell us a lot. Like, There's probably a pretty good reason, writer Jonathan Hickman, picked Exodus as opposed to some of the other ones I'm going to talk about. Mystique, also kind of an odd pick, much more well-known, of course, but she doesn't really seem to want to be there. <laughs> like, she, she's got, she looks very uh, disaffected on the council in these panels, and also, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily think of her as the big planner and plotter and necessarily major player in what should or shouldn't be mutant law. So I think Mystique's placement on this council is interesting. From there, we get to the Hellfire Club portion. This is spring. We have Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost. And, of course, we had this um, and these these decisions were talked about when we got the, the segment of Professor X and Magneto approaching Emma in previous, paid, in previous issues of the event and Emma said I'm going to need a third spot and that is what leads to the most interesting part of the quiet council so far which is the red king which is redacted still so right now we technically don't know who the red king is per this chart now a lot of people have theorized about who this could be and I'm going to play that game as well so let me sum this up and then we're going to move into who the red king likely is or could be moving forward. All right. So in summer, we've got some familiar X-Men. Storm, Jean Grey, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, probably the least expected pick of the bunch because he has not been a leader of the X-Men very often or very comfortably. Uh, nonetheless, I love Nightcrawler, so I'm more than happy to have him around. And also, he's the one that uh, suggested one of the laws on Krakoa be make more mutant babies. So I feel like he's he's going to be a fun presence to have 
in the crew. Cypher and Krakoa makes a ton of sense having Krakoa represented. And then, of course, we have the Great Captains as sort of a tier down in the Quiet Council. Cyclops, Gorgon, Bishop, Magic. Here, I would say Gorgon. Hickman loves the guy. He was a player, pretty significant player in his Secret Warriors that Hickman wrote back in like 2008, 2009. Otherwise, hasn't had a ton of reps. You know, he's got a long history with Hydra, which I feel like isn't a great thing for somebody on your leadership board. But then again, you know, it's a leadership board full of villains who have who've committed mass atrocities before. So the X-Men are in a new place. It's going to be really interesting how they balance that. Magic also, uh, you know, has a, has a spiritual and supernatural realm to her that I think makes sense. Bishop's interesting, too, because he's made a lot of really wacky decisions. Wacky is the wrong word. Um, you know, in the name of time travel, in the name of correcting the future, like he was out there trying to murder Hope Summers uh, for a good long while, you know, with Cable and Hope on the run. So Bishop's got some, some stuff in his past here. I actually like him. Let's restore Bishop to you know, good X-Man status <laughs> as a captain of the crew. Here we've got the sequence on screen of Professor X. You know, they pitch Emma needing two, or she gets two seats if she plays along with their Hellfire Club plan. She says she'll need three, and that's going to lead us to, all right, the first theory, who is the Red King of the the Quiet Council? Now, seemingly, it seemed Jerry Dugan, the writer of the upcoming Marauder series, and this is a cover, amazing cover, by the one of my favorite Marvel artists, Russell Dowderman. For Marauders number one, you got Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost enjoying their drink here in the Hellfire Club. But the statue, this wax, you know, figurine here, is Kitty Pride and Lockheed. Uh, in all in red on this ship. And we kind of know from the teases of Marauders coming up in Dawn of X that Kitty is going to be like a pirate captain. Um, working on behalf of Krakoa. The fact that this is in red in, the, in Dugan's tweet sort of indicated, yeah, she's the Red Queen, okay, which is the language that was used and sort of found in the initial redacted version of, of that chart of the Quiet Council. Then Marvel, like, seemingly apropos of nothing except this tweet and the speculation and the release of these comics, released this teaser for Marauders number 1 about Emma making Kitty this offer she can't refuse. So every indication is that Kitty Pride is going to be the Red Queen, a.k.a. also maybe that's the Red King. Now, a lot of people are also potentially speculating that because the language changed from Queen to King, that maybe Kitty's the Red Queen and the Red King is still yet to be announced. I think it, my my theory here working is well, I'm going to talk about with the 10 mutants that were left off, how they would fit as a Red King, and I think I actually have some picks that could make a lot of sense. I think Occam Razor, though, going with the simplest explanation, it's probably still just Kitty, and there was some confusion or a typo with the redacted version of Red Queen initially that probably meant to say red king but if it didn't i think that's very interesting if there's potentially this party out there who is mysterious now keeping it redacted you know i will say does seem quite intentional you know why why redact that <laughs> that language if it's not going to be sort of a big reveal you know what i mean and the fact that marvel seemingly then just went and outed kitty in that spot so quickly uh does seem to really diminish the value of that creative decision on the chart? I mean, why would you redact one thing and then immediately publicize who it's going to be? So it, that gives me pause and makes me think, actually, we can probably still project who that figure may well be. So I guess let's do exactly that. 
<laughs> I'm going to project who are the weirdest exclusions from the Quiet Council of Krakoa, and might they be, might they fit as the Red King if it isn't just Kitty Pride, right? And I've also got up here, if you're watching via YouTube, uh, the Comic Book Herald Jonathan Hickman X-Men Reading Order. I'm going to include this link in the show notes, but if you're interested in playing along with my road to Hickman's X-Men, sort of all the comics that build to this event, and then the actual issue-by-issue um, reading order along with links to each issue and links to each Crack and Krakoa companion series. You can find all those on the comicbookherald.com Hickman X-Men reading order, which of course will continue to be updated once we get to Dawn of X and I go through all the new series as they're released, which I'm really looking forward to. We have X-Men number one coming in two weeks at the time of recording. So without further ado, let's get into the exclusions. Who are the X-Men? Who are the mutants that were left off the Quiet Council that we haven't heard a ton about, we don't know a ton about, and it seems kind of odd, actually, that they were excluded. The first one I'm going to mention here, and I've talked about him a fair amount in the Kraken Krakoa series, is Zorn. We've seen Hickman with a fondness for XORN Zorn since his days in the Marvel Ultimates, writing Ultimate Comics Ultimates. We've also seen Zorn in the Powers of Ten timeline. It's not like Zorn's not getting at bats because of his inclusion in Powers of Ten, but Zorn is such a powerful mutant, and Hickman has such affinity for the character as well as Grant Morrison's run on New X-Men, which establishes Zorn as a mutant, as a character. It's a little surprising. Not necessarily surprising, but it seems like there's potential for inclusion of Zorn in a leadership role with this team, and he would be a really fun surprise reveal as the Red King. I think that would be extremely cool to have Zorn be the Red King. I mean, really, my criteria for who makes sense in the Red King is the first thing I started thinking about was, okay, who actually has Hellfire Club connections? And we'll get to one of those options next. But the second thing I started thinking about was, who's just really powerful that would make sense to save for a big reveal? And to me, Zorn is kind of the number one figure in that regard, who we know that Jonathan Hickman just loves writing. And here we do see him, you know, in the sort of future flung Four Horsemen of Apocalypse in the pages of Powers of Den. So Zorn is my number one pick for who was left off this council that could potentially play a role. Number two, and here I think a lot of Red King potential, Celine. Vampiric, Hellfire Club connection. She's been around for eons, a la Exodus. Uh, eons is totally the wrong the metric of time to, to use in this context. She's been around for a good long time, though. She's a former black queen. She's got Hailflyer Club connections. Celine makes a lot of sense. And I think, too, you know, she's clearly a villain. I think if, if the X-Men are in this new era of splitting heroes and villains, Celine could potentially make a good deal of sense as a future Red King. Another character that would be a really cool reveal would be the twin sister of Professor X, who he tried to kill while they were both still in the womb. It would be from New X-Men by Graham Morrison and Frank Quietly, at least these first issues, Cassandra Nova. Now, Cassandra Nova has not been addressed in the pages of House of X or Powers of Ten. It could happen in Powers of Ten, number six. And the reason I say that is it seems really central to what Professor X is doing that we know where Cassandra Nova is and what her plans are and what has been done uh, you know, to her or with her. A big part of this is we've seen Charlie acting a little odd, 
right? Professor X is doing his thing. He's starting the House of X and Powers of Ten, and a lot of it makes sense, but a lot of just the way he's posturing and carrying himself, and also specifically this exact hat that he was wearing (laughs) when talking to Douglas Ramsey, seemed to indicate the potential that Cassandra Nova and Charles Xavier are one. I'm not saying this is certain. I'm not saying necessarily that this is a Cassandra Nova having taken over Professor X either, but that potential is very much there. So I think it's more likely that the Cassandra Nova reveal that Hickman's going to do, and make no mistake, again, like Zorn, there's no way, there's just no way he's Hickman's going to pay this much attention to the Genosha genocide that happened in the pages of New X-Men back in 2001, and he's not going to talk about Cassandra Nova and have a big revelation for this character. I think it would be very surprising to me if she came in as the secret Red King, as a member of the Quiet Council, and was sort of working alongside Professor X, uh, but it doesn't seem impossible. Speaking of characters that the X-Men have tortured histories with, you know, there's been a lot of, like, hand-holding at this point and welcoming the villains in. And we've seen, okay, Apocalypse is willing to turn over a new leaf, you know, to a degree. And Magneto's doing the same. And Mr. Sinister is, even though he's probably plotting. Not probably. He's definitely plotting behind their backs. Um, but there's, it, you know, the, the kind of like all the bad blood of of X-Men, you know, heroes versus villains fights is kind of left in the past. But that said, like Cassandra Nova, character we haven't seen, egregious amounts of bad blood, right? Like, could they possibly welcome her onto the island of Krakoa? Same goes here for the Shadow King, right? This is a character who has, uh, you know, a, a Rook Freak. And I butchered that name. I'm certain of it. I'll look that up after the fact. But Shadow King has had a tortured relationship with Professor X, with Storm, for example, with Legion, David Holler, right? So could they welcome Shadow King as the Red King? of the Hellfire Club, I think this would be spectacularly fun, <laughs> bringing in this this psychic uh, character. And I think, too, like, I, I have to think, if you've watched Legion, the FX series, there's no way that that version of Shadow King wouldn't appeal immensely to Jonathan Hickman and his collaborators in the X-Men franchise. I think it could fit and make a ton of sense on the Quiet Council. The question, of course, would be, can these mutants get over the the past relationship that they've had with characters like this who have been exclusively villains in in kind of just these like unforgivable ways you know the next character on the list is a way more typical x-men character and that's beast who i thought was a surprising sort of um surprisingly overlooked in the pages of of house of x and powers of 10 so far now hickman has written a fair amount of Beast in his work on Avengers and New Avengers. Beast was famously a member of the New Avengers Illuminati in the build to Secret Wars that Jonathan Hickman was writing back in Marvel from about 2012 to 2015. And Beast is also a major player in the Morrison and and quietly, you know, at all X-Men, New X-Men from 2001 to 2004. So I... I don't expect Beast to be a Red King keep. I mention him more as it's kind of surprising he's not in the cards here, that he's not a player. You know, he seems like the sort of guy, sort of character who could have potentially been a quiet council member or at least a captain. Uh, he is not, and that's fine. I think he's doing some sciencey things, which, you know, fits Beast. Uh, I will mention here, though, that Beast has had a really bad run uh, in the 2010s. Like, he's made a lot of extremely questionable um, morality decisions, including... Messing with time travel 
really just like bad scientific judgment joining the new avengers illuminati but then also beast was like kind of on the side of hydra in the, the secret empire in 2017 which nobody seems to really want to talk about but uh it happened and it was weird and it beast like i don't know how he's supposed to be coming back from this so he's in a rough spot it'll be interesting to see what dawn of x does for beast speaking again of super powerful mutants here's legion the son of professor x i don't it's not surprising to me that he would not be on the quiet council because legion has historically been completely erratic and and impossible to predict and putting him in a leadership position would be challenging to say the least but his power set has not necessarily been accounted for now we've seen for example like proteus the son of myra mctaggart is is accounted for his reality warping abilities that's part of the x-men's resurrection process legion though we don't know what's going on with him so i think he's he's a notable notably absent character speaking of notably absent power sets nate gray x-man most recently seen in the age of x-man event the sort of stalling tactic uh, which is again interesting in many ways that built up to house of 10 and or house of x and powers of 10 we don't really know what's going on with Nate Gray. If Nate Gray's on the island post-Age of X-Men, that's fascinating. Uh, I think he would be a less exciting, you know, Red King to me than the characters I've already mentioned. But given his power set, it would make a, a you know, some semblance of sense. Also, he had probably the weirdest horseman collection of all time. Blob, Bearded Magneto, Angel, and like Octopussy Omega Red. Irrelevant, but I thought I'd point it out. Number eight on the list, left off, the Quiet Council, Cable. Cable, much like Age of X-Man, or, you know, just X-Man, has had a weird last year or so. Uh, now, we have seen some images that tease him in Dawn of X, so we, we have every reason to believe he's going to be around. Now, he's also probably going to be around post-extermination as teenage boy Cable. So I kind of feel like if Cable was still a an adult man, he would potentially be a Quiet Council consideration and a really fun Red King consideration. But as a boy, <laughs> as boy Cable, I don't know that that makes as much sense. So Cable, I think, in his most familiar guise, would be very interesting. Plus, he's got so much history with Mr. Sinister. I think it would be fascinating to see the two of them try to operate together on a council. Uh, you know, Sinister's been obsessed with him as the perfection of mutant kind since he was just a baby, but it seems increasingly less likely given Cable's state of affairs. Another character that I thought could potentially make sense that is a, a you know a seeming Hickman favorite, number nine on the list, Sunspot, Bobby DeCosta. He he's become a really big deal, you know, in the pages of of a lot of books, but in particular post Hickman and in his role on the Avengers and kind of the build up to Secret Wars, like Bobby he took over AIM, and he was leading sort of this, like, revolution in avenging to a degree. He's a powerful figure, and I think he's the type of character that he's got the new mutants connections and background. He's kind of got a different generation and, and like, understanding of mutanthood that would probably be fitting. You know, if you look at that Quiet Council, who's the younger generation represented? I guess it's Doug Ramsey with Krakoa, but he he's really so much there in facilitating the um you know the ideas and respect for Krakoa it's hard to know if he's like a next gen status but otherwise it's uh it's you know age <laughs> being around for a while 
is definitely a major criteria, which I seems to have kept Sunspot off the roster. Okay, and finally, number 10 on the list. I'm not surprised he's not on the Quiet Council yet because he is also just a boy, Franklin Richards. Jonathan Hickman, of course, on in his Fantastic Four run, has an affinity for Franklin Richards. He brought him back in Avengers in that very uh, timey-wimey sequence of events he did during Original Sin. But he's also, you know, like, if you go back and read that one, it's fascinating to read. I have to think it's going to connect in some ways because Franklin's on a very Krakoan-looking uh, sort of floral planet when they meet up with this character. I think a Franklin from the future would be actually maybe the most exciting possible secretly redacted red king uh, i don't I, I again like it's one of those wild conjectures that i think would be super fun but a lot of explanation would be required and i i am excited to see where we go next so those are my 10 picks for the mutants that are left off of the quiet council that could have potentially made a lot of sense that could potentially be this redacted red king if it's not already just sort of like semi-spoiled by Merle with Kitty Pride. There you have it. The, musing, the <laughs> missing mutant leaders of the Krakoan nation, of the X-Men. What are they doing? What are they up to? How are they going to appear in the pages of X-Men moving forward in Dawn of X? So again, we got Powers of Ten, six coming up here as the final installation in this event i'm super excited for it see what twists and turns it has in store for us i'll be doing then on comic book herald channels and, and comic book herald media in general anywhere you can find me uh, i'm gonna be doing a deep dive here with john galati we've done deep dives so far on the green lantern we've done one on the immortal hulk we're gonna be doing house of x and powers of 10 in its entirety as our october deep dive so i'm super excited to go into that we're gonna talk about every detail about how the comic works about if it works about what it means for x-men moving forward etc etc as John and I tend to do, we will talk a lot about the X-Men. And then, of course, I'm going to be doing a Road to Dawn of X video because Dawn of X is a coming. I'm going to be doing uh, Dawn of X coverage as those books come out. I've got high hopes for everything X-Men, Uncanny X-Force, Marauders, Excalibur. I'm pumped for it all, potentially. Over on comicbookherald.com this week, we got a lot of cool stuff coming. Go on over to cbh.com and check it out. Actually, you have to go to comicbookherald.com. I should probably buy cbh.com. I should look into that. Uh, that might stand for something else, though. Like if I had been comicbookdave.com, uh, for example, uh, CBD, right, would have been big crossover there that I would not have tapped into ahead of time. Clearly, I'm at the end. I'm a rambling. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like the content, please consider liking and subscribing. Go check it over on the podcast version on Best Comics Ever. And as always, go over to comicbookherald.com. Check out what we've got coming this week. And most importantly, Thanks for listening, and enjoy the comics.